All right. <laughs> you know, my guests usually know when we're live before I do. So if you already see broadcast live, then that means we are live because I haven't seen it yet on my side. It's the weirdest thing. But if you see a red thing that says we're live. Yeah, we we're live. are live. There we're it live. is. See, I just got the notification. All right. Hey, we're live. This is Brent Leary. Back again, second time this week already. This is the BBC, not the dudes that hired Martin Bashir. <laughs> this is no. the Brent Broadcasting Channel. No, we don't, we, don't, we don't hire folks like that. All right, anyway, this is really exciting for me because I've been wanting to have this conversation with these two young ladies for a while because customer advocacy is one of those things. It could have different definitions depending on who you are and what company you work for, but we're going to talk about what it is, what it should be, how it fits into the, the marketing mix and other aspects of the company. And I think I have the two best people for me to do that with. Kalina Bryant is the global head of customer advocacy for Asana. And Cynthia Hester is the director of global customer programs for Google Cloud. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Now, Kalina, I, I recently met you. It was really because of a, a, a interview series that you did with uh, folks over at Drift. And I've known Cynthia for a, a while now, actually. And one of her previous stops, we had an opportunity to work together. So this is really cool that we're able to have this kind of group conversation. So kind of to get things started, Kalina, why don't I ask you to, first of all, maybe there's some folks who may not have the best idea of what Asana does. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what Asana does and then also talk about what customer advocacy means to you and you in the context of the organization. And then, uh, Cynthia, I'll ask you to do the same thing. So uh, okay. why don't you start us off, Kalina? Yeah. Uh, so on my end, I actually joined Asana uh, last year in August during, uh, during the pandemic, actually. Um, and one of the cool things about Asana is their work management platform. Um, and the reason why I joined is because during the pandemic, customer advocacy is usually in-person engagements for some of your um, very high-end customers that are going above and beyond for you. And so I always ask myself, I say, well, how am I going to run customer advocacy in a pandemic? Um, but with Asana, the tool is so seamless to where all of your individuals that are working together, you have everything in one project. You can be in Europe, you can be in APAC, you can be in the United States, and you can stay on track and actually produce very high-end work. You're not missing a beat. Everything is tracked in one place. And so ultimately, it's a work management tool. Um, and we're basically providing an opportunity for people to connect and be able to thrive in humanity, um, regardless of where you are. And why customer advocacy? For me, I am a true believer of if your customers are happy, you're going to have a thriving business. Um, and so on my end, I spent a lot of time figuring out how to build programs that are going to be uh, beneficial to the customers, where we're going to be able to gain feedback on our product. We're going to be able to understand where we're going, not just um, from a product standpoint, uh, but from the needs of our customers. Um, and so we spent a lot of time building things like our roundtables from a virtual segment in my past, building customer advisory boards, executive briefing centers, you name it. Um, and that's actually how I got in touch with Cynthia, um, super superstar in regards to building references programs. Um, but that's pretty much the layout, putting our customers first. 
Well, uh, Cynthia, she sent you up nicely. I mean, she did. She did. Thank you, Kalina. Um, I'm really happy and excited to be here with both of you. Um, Like Brent said, we met years ago and when I was, you know, in a previous life. And so being able to reconnect and do this with the two of you, two of my favorite people in the industry, I couldn't be happier today to join you. And I've worked at some of the largest you know, tech companies in the Valley. I'm now at Google Cloud running our global customer programs, which includes all of our reference work, customer advocacy in general, and really making sure our customers have a great experience. And like Kalina, putting customer first is just one of my key tenets. Listening to their voice is another important key tenet. If we do those two things and we make the right decisions by the customer, then you, your business is going to thrive. Like you don't have to worry about how you show up as a strategic partner if you do those basic fundamentals on a consistent basis. Um, my team is based around the globe. We support our global business um, kind of at a regional level. So we're always looking for kind of strategic customers and customer engagement on a lot of different layers and through a lot of different personas, right? So everything from the C-suite all the way down to developers and practitioners. And I treat all the kids equally. (laughs) They're all really, really important. And their voices are important. They have different perspectives, different points of view. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, But that is really kind of why I love this work. I love seeing that what customers are doing with the technology. So whether it's Google or when I was at Salesforce or VMware, what are they doing with that technology? How are they using it to change the lives of their customers, their communities, their employees? So one of the things I was really curious about, and maybe uh, I'll ask Cynthia and then and Kalina please feel free to follow up. And actually you kind of touched on it a little bit, but how has uh, kind of the role, your role in your eyes, how has that changed since the pandemic hit? And then maybe take a little, a step, a little higher view of it. How has the role of customer advocacy changed within the organization due to what's been going on? Really good, both really good questions. I think the role during the pandemic just became even more critical. So from from my perspective and point of view, it's always been essential to having a really good thriving business and doing right by your customers. But certainly during the pandemic, we had to double down very, very quickly in terms of pulling and understanding what our customers' experience was happening, you know, what they were doing. Um, And not just from their work with us, but really what was going on in each one of their environments, each one of their companies, their industries. We had some customers that were absolutely set up and could could switch really quickly to get their employees working safely at home. We had other we had other customers that struggled to do that. And whether it's you know a Google Cloud customer or customers from my days back at you know VMware or Salesforce, same situation, right? All of a sudden, all of us had to go from really going doing a lot of face to face work and engagement to doing it all remote remotely. You know, one of the things we did right off the bat last March, which is checking in with all of our strategic partners, the customers we work with the most. How are you doing? How are your employees doing? Is this the right time? Do you need to take a pause in adjusting our strategy and our priorities based on the feedback we got from them? And we're going to continue to do that to me at the same level. And again, you know, the second part of the question was like, hey, how do we continue this and how has it changed us? I think for the long term, and that is you need to be focused on it. If you're not investing in in those programs, if you're not investing in those teams, 
do it. Do it now and do it quickly because they're going to be the lifeblood of how your business continues to grow and thrive. This will not be the last pandemic. I wish it was going to be. Um, I think history has shown us like it. something else could happen in our world that changes our business our business, you know, environment in terms of how we engage with each other. And so I think by always putting, having your finger on the pulse of what's going on with your customers and being able to reach them and connect with them quickly and easily gives you the ability to be much more agile and much more responsive when things do happen, like we saw last year. Paulina? Yeah, I mean, you hit, you hit the ball rolling there, Cynthia. I think, you know, with customer advocacy, we all knew, you know, we struggle, right? Does it sit in marketing? Does it sit in customer success? And I think when you take a step back and people ask, well, how do we keep engaging with our customers? That was a big question for me, regardless of what um, environment you were in. And how do you constantly still get feedback from your customers, regardless if it's in person or virtual? And um, when those questions start populating from more senior leaders within companies, um, I think that's when the need became very crucial. Um, and so when you think about it, you have individuals that are giving you that product feedback, whether that's a council or customer advisory board. But then you also, from a sales perspective, you can't really close large deals without the voice of the customer. You know, you, you need to have a solid reference where you, you have two to three customers that are willing to go to bat for your product. Um, and I think that originally people started thinking about customer marketing as, you know, newsletters and, you know, speaking engagements here and there. But when they really started associating, hey, we want to close larger enterprise deals. Um, and every time we get to the very end of the road, they request some of the like-minded customers that can speak highly of the product. Um, and I think that that's when the dynamic started changing um, because many companies they, they see the need. It needs to be scalable. Um, it needs to be trackable. Um, and I think when individuals start looking at customer advocacy as an influence of revenue, um, especially during the pandemic, I think that that's when customer marketing has gotten a, a more positive light or just more attention, I would say, because without the influence of revenue, how are we going to scale regardless of what environment you're in? And I think that that was the big wake up call during the pandemic. We, you know, the business still needed to keep going um, and you still needed to have people to validate. Um, and this point, we're taking away like the conferences. You still have virtual conferences, but you're taking away that in-person engagement with customers and partners, you name it. But you can still, if you have a trusted list of customers that um, value your time and your, your opinions and really the relationship that customer advocacy builds with those customers, you can still run a successful business. And I think that that's the positive side of customer advocacy that people have had the opportunity to see during the pandemic. You, you just raised a really interesting kind of area. As a customer advocate, I mean, you're, you're really looking to build strong relationships with the customers and, and give them a, a sense of comfort that you guys are looking after them. And, but, you know, during the pandemic, when like businesses is really getting hit hard, there could be a, like added pressure on folks like you to say, hey, what can can you help us do something? We were trying to really get something over here done. Do you did you feel any additional pressure as to making sure that your role as an advocate really looks out for the customer? Because at, you know during this pandemic, customers are feeling pretty vulnerable at this point. So did you feel like a, a, an added duty? to step up 
uh, the advocacy, even if it may have been to a little bit of the detriment to you know internal forces in the company? Whoever wants to handle that. I think it's a little bit different, right? I think the value of customer advocacy was we actually were able to hear live uh, feedback from our customers. So, you know, we've done tons of reports at Asana where we're experiencing a lot of burnout. You have all this feedback of people just drained all the time, um, especially with our anatomy of work. We had a full on layout that really went into detail on that index. Um, and when you think about it, uh, you know, based on some of that feedback, I was able to bring some of our key customers together for virtual roundtables, uh, both in January and actually just recently um, in April. And the thing that we're figuring out is customers just want to be heard, you know, and so with customer advocacy, yeah, we do have one hat to influence revenue. However, we do have a duty to make sure that our customers don't feel sold to and they actually still have value. They still have a certain perspective um, and, and they're treated a certain way. Nobody wants to be treated like a dollar sign, you know, and customers can feel that. But when you're creating this environment, and I think that's the beauty of customer advocacy, we create a safe space for their voices to be heard, number one, and number two, for their feedback to actually be taken and leveraged. Um, and I think that that's when you see a positive dynamic with customer advocacy and you see positive influence with revenue because then you start to see these expansions. Then you start to see these additional introductions where they are invested in your product, not just in one segment of the business, but now in multiple segments because they trust you. Yeah, and I think, you know, you raise a really good question because I, I feel like last spring there was this period of time, maybe it was like two the first two or three months when we went into lockdown across the country, really across the globe. And I feel that a lot of businesses took a pause and were very, very aware that we were all in this together, whether you were a vendor or a customer. And when you think about it, every business is on both sides, right? You're, you're somebody's customer as a small business and you have a customer. The same with Salesforce, Google, Asana, all of them. Like they're somebody's customer and they have a group of customers. And I think there was a period where we were all in it together. Internally, people got that. And so the pressure from marketing or sales actually kind of, everybody took a step back. We were all focused on staying healthy staying healthy, staying safe, keeping our family safe. And it created a very unique to me moment in time because for once everybody really had aligned to the same goal almost by force, but truly aligned to the same goal around personal safety, well-being, and health of our families and our communities. Sure. And I think probably around May, June, some areas in some segments of the, you know, some segments of the industries that we support and serve some areas of, you know, our business, especially everyone's like, okay, I think we got this. We're good with remote work. We're figuring out how we need to engage. Now we want to get back to it, but everybody wasn't in the same position. And so there were definitely times when I felt the need to just speak up and say, you know what, this group of customers they're still struggling a little bit. They're still having challenges. They still want to be on hold and really representing them well and advocating for them within the organization. The positive side was everybody got it. So the minute you said, hey, they're not ready yet. Okay, what else are we going to do? And people were very willing to switch gears, get creative around what are the things that we can do. And I think you're going to see more of that as increasingly as we everybody starts to come out of it and we go into this economic recovery is folks are going to say, okay, 
we actually don't want to go back to the way we were doing it before the pandemic. We now have a new way to work and we like it. It's more flexible. I can be more creative with my teams, which then gives me the ability to influence the revenue that Kalina's talking about of all of these programs and how do we engage them? Because the tenets still hold true. You still want to listen. You still want to put them first and you want to make sure you're making the right decisions by them. But how you do it, that how piece, I think, is still going to be in flux for a while. And folks should get comfortable with some of that uncertainty and know that the things we did all through the pandemic that got us through will serve us well after the pandemic. Um, and I just think there are things that are that are changing that are changing for the good. And you you actually went right to where I was going next. So I don't even feel a need to go where I was going next because you just answered the question all right automatically. But let's talk about just the overall customer experience and what role do you see customer advocacy playing in the post-pandemic world? Is it different? Is it expanded? Uh, just give me an idea of where you see you know, the role of customer advocacy going in the, in the enterprise once we get past you know, the vast majority of this pandemic. And whoever wants to take that, feel free. I'll, I'll go for it. Um, I, I do think that it depends on the size of the business. And I always look at what are the top business goals for that company, because that's always going to determine how your customer advocacy programs are rolled out. But I do believe that customer advocacy thrives really well in a enterprise segment when you're looking at your strategic accounts and enterprise accounts. Um, and then if that's the case, then I, personally, I shape my programs to touch more of the senior individual. So it could be that VP and above. Uh, but that's specifically if we're looking at enterprise and strat accounts. Um, and I would say if we're starting to do things in that way, then we start to, at least personally for me, I start to sketch out, well, what does a wonderful executive briefing center look like? What does a wonderful customer advisory board look like? Um, and how is that going to tie into our business goals long term and the individuals that we're inviting to these type of programs? Uh, what's going to be uh, beneficial for them to commit to that type of program? Uh, but also how... Um, how are these customers going to drive the needle for our enterprise and strategic accounts and ultimate business goals? Um, so that's how I would look at it. But again, if you're going into customer advocacy from a startup perspective, your layout might be a lot different. You might be just starting out on a community um, of customers. How do you develop champions is a big question. So you can work your way up. Um, I use this pyramid um, that really highlights, okay, customer champions, I'm working with customer success, and then you go into a full-on community, we have full community department, like what does it look like when that community department is thriving, and how is that um, benefiting the business? And then from there, I look at, well, how are we doing these uh, in-person or virtual engagements, really bring in the VIP experience, whether that's a roundtable or a customer dinner, you name it. And then from there, it starts to go to that executive layout, right, where it's are we ready for an executive briefing? Well, if we have this wonderful building, what's in it for our customers? How How is this going to be um, you know, fulfilling on both ends? And then lastly, that customer advisory board of if you're going to build it, if you're going to invite these individuals, how, are you going to be able to maintain it, number one? And number two, are you going to be able to show the value based on the individuals you picked to be on that cap? Yeah, I agree. I think the importance of customer advocacy, customer marketing is only going to continue to increase with your competitive environment being in a lot of industries. Again, the innovation from a technology perspective, from 
you know, workflows and processes um, from a perspective of how are you engaging with your employees? Customers are at the heart of all of that work. And so I see it as becoming increasingly important. And again, for companies that have not typically invested and paid attention to those programs, you know, I say you ignore it at your peril. At some point, it will come back to, you know, to bite you, so to speak, because you can't ignore the very people you're trying to serve. And none of us has all the answers. So one of the reasons I love this work is I always learn something from these engagements and from these conversations. And whether you have a program that's a marquee program where you're focused on the executive C-suite or you're working with communities of practitioners and developers, they all are very important parts of the, of the ecosystem. You know, the CIO may not know the intricacies and all the best practices developed with a product, but the person that was responsible for implementation, migration, and support of that product, they will know. So you need both voices. You need that executive voice that says, hey, this is a business impact. I know that this product or service or solution is having to my business and aligns to my OKRs, my goals. And then at some of the you know the other levels of the of the organization in terms of what work is being done, whether it's development of migration, whether it's um, adoption within the organization, whether it's just supporting stakeholders, they have a very different perspective and point of view. They know what it's like to work with that vendor day to day. They know how easy it is to do business with that vendor. They know how well that vendor supports you. So you need both of those. In a large deal, we can see customers requiring five or six different types of references from different parts of the organization based on function because the CIO wants to make a very informed decision and you need the, all the voices to be able to do that. So you can't make it on your own and you need to understand, oh, these four references said they had a really great experience with this company and here's why. The other thing that people can get over rotated on is wanting the reference to always be completely positive. And the reason I put that in quotes is an honest, authentic reference is a positive reference. Mm. We're all human. Everybody makes mistakes. Every organization makes mistakes. What I look for when I'm doing references to for agencies or even software that I'm adopting is if there was a problem, how did they respond to it? Because I'm expecting we're going to have a problem at some point in our relationship. And what I really want to know and hear about is, were they responsive? Did they help us get to a solution that was appropriate and the fastest time possible? Where they, you know, kind of considerate, considerate and empathetic to our situation. All of those things matter. The problem, yes, we would love to have an implementation that has none. I haven't, I've been working a long time, never had anything go smoothly from beginning to end. And I'm sure everybody in the audience has the same experience. But what's really, really important is who are those partners and those companies that you've worked with that have helped you get to a solution, stayed with you and really engaged with you so you could actually do the work that you needed to do. And that to me is always where you want to be is knowing that your customers are going to give you a very well-rounded um, reference that, and to me, again, if it's authentic and it's honest, then it is a good reference. Authentic, honest, it, that makes it more credible and more believable, you know, cause sometimes you get the, you kind of get the feeling like if everything is all like roses and, and wine, you're not giving me the full deal here, but if I like the good, the bad, and if there is a little ugly, you know, but if the ending is, is great, I think it makes the whole story more believable and more, uh, you know, sellable to a certain extent. 
Right. Uh, and it feels strength in the relationship, right? Like, yeah. You know, I just think about my friendships, my relationship with my family. You're going to argue with those people. You're going to have disagreements. The bottom line is, do you trust them? Yes. Do you trust that they will act in your best interest? Yes. And so that helps, gives you the foundation to work through any of the issues. And I believe you come out stronger and better for it if you're willing to do that. So to your point, Brent, like, and I get suspicious if someone says, oh, everything was great. I'm like, really? Yeah. Everything? You've been the customer for five <laughs> years and everything's been great for five years? That raises a question in my mind around authenticity of the reference. You know, has somebody actually been prepped to say these five things? Which is why when you look at the research of how we make decisions as individuals on behalf of our companies and in the rest of our lives, we trust the feedback and the insights from the people that we trust. So if I I'm looking at a solution and Kalina's used and worked with that company before, and I have a conversation with her, she's going to, I trust that she's going to give me honest feedback on, on her experience. And I trust that more than I actually trust the vendor because I have a personal relationship with her that I know I can depend on. And I think that's the place where companies should be striving to be is that your companies feel your customers feel like they have a personal relationship with everybody that they come in contact with in the organization. And then you don't have to worry about them giving you a positive reference. They're going to give that authentic, trusted reference, which is what their peer is actually looking for. Awesome. I got the, a comment and a question for uh, for Kalina. Looking at it real quick. First of all, my buddy Anand says, "Yay, Asana!" So I guess he's a fan there of the company. Uh, but also, Asana announced a new partnership, and I don't I don't know how familiar you are with it or not. But I'll just read it and let let you take it wherever you want to go. Uh, Asana recently announced a new partnership with ServiceNow. How are you seeing team collaboration and effective process management? elevate customer advocacy? Leave it to uh, Anand to ask. <laughs> it's a very detailed one. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not, I don't manage partnerships, so I don't know if I'm the best to comment on that, but I could comment on our effectiveness with customer advocacy and elevating those programs. Um, I go back to just the, the basics, right? Our collaboration um, goes hand in hand with our product. So when I'm collaborating to design customer advocacy programs with the team, we are 100% looking at our tool and how can we make that seamless. Um, and so I would I, I would love to go into detail, uh, but I don't feel confident with the service now part, that's not my expertise. But in regards to looking at the product and using Asana on a, on a daily basis for our program development, um, it's seamless, you know? And it's one of those things where I personally, um, when I first joined, I was so used to using Gmail. Uh, and when I joined Asana, I actually was onboarding um, and they taught me how to fully use Asana. And then they said, also, we don't use Gmail. You know, you can actually track every single thing, messages um, and also your, your projects. You can communicate with individuals all in this one project. Um, and originally that actually caught me off guard because I was that type of person where when I went home, uh, if my Gmail was at zero, I felt like I did a good job. I had everyone. Uh, and so migrating over into Asana, I actually, um, it works well now for me because I'm able to look at so many different things that's going on with the business. And also from a customer perspective, I'm able to track, um, you know, from an AE perspective, who they're talking to, 
And um, also from a customer success perspective, uh, what's going on with the customer. So we're not touching the same customer and speaking the, a different language which I think is very important. Um, when you think about it, especially the more strategic you get with your accounts, there's so many people actually reaching out to the same customer. Um, and I think the worst thing you can actually do is not be in sync. You know, you don't wanna email the same director five times about five different things. Um, so I have realized when we use Asana, we actually understand the notifications that are being sent out to our customers. We understand what's going to happen with them that month. We understand what's the long-term goals with them as well. Um, so no one's blindsided, which I think is one of the, um, I guess, beautiful things about the, the role that I'm in. Um, our customers actually feel valued. And to Cynthia's point, you can see the authenticity um, within the customer because they're, they're not you know, sent fluff. To be honest with you, they are sent information that is very actionable. It's beneficial for them. It's something that's going to make them want to respond to you. Um, so I think that, that that's my two cents on that one. Great. All right. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Uh, Colleen, I want to start with you because can you tell us a little bit about upon, apolog, unapologetic? Yes. <laughs> Took me like three times to get it, but finally I got it right. It's a tongue twister. Unapologetic. <laughs> Um, actually, Unapologetic is coming up to one year. Uh, it's a podcast dedicated to women of color in the tech industry, um, amplifying our stories, our journeys. Um, and I actually had the honor to interview Cynthia as my first guest last year uh, in August. Um, and it was honestly a conversation where I wanted her to showcase her authenticity, um, how she actually arrived in her career, uh, what were some of her struggles that she was able to conquer, and what was some advice really to the next generation or individuals that were actually in her position at that moment, um, how to maneuver around some of the things within the technology industry. Um, and then, you know, with us both being in customer advocacy, we actually got to touch on how did we find ourselves in this career? You know, a lot of the times we came from a sales background, maybe into customer success, customer operations, and then we really stumbled into customer programs because we saw the value of the life cycle. Um, and so I interviewed Cynthia and me and her both, we started off just honestly with a real conversation. And I said, I don't know what this is gonna turn into. I just think that we need to start sharing our voices. Um, and then before you knew it within, I think it was like one day we were able to stream about 600 views within her post. And to this day, actually, Cynthia has the highest uh, view within the podcast. We publish them monthly and people still go back to her authenticity. Um, so ultimately, it's, you know, it's really tough sometimes um, as an African-American woman, you know, when you're in this in these different roles, it could get lonely sometimes. Um, and so what I've been focused on is how do we build a community to uplift one another? Um, and I found that there's other women that are willing to share their voice. They're willing to share their story. And sometimes it's their first time ever being asked to tell their story. Um, so I'm trying to dismantle that with unapologetic and also with our allies being able to um, look at some of the uh, episodes that we launched, they learn so much. You know, when you really think about unapologetic, I look at our stats all the time and it's really Caucasian males that are saying, hey, I run a company and I don't really understand how to make change. They understand that there's a problem, but they want to learn and they want an authentic voice. Um, and so that's the whole purpose of unapologetic to train produce more allies and amplify the underrepresented voices, which 
most of the time happen to be women of color that are working so hard um, and they're just given an opportunity now to share the, their voice and their journey. Well, it's pretty cool that Cynthia was your first guest. And, and Cynthia, you, you've been at a number of tech companies. You've, you've had a, a, a various amount of experiences. Uh, are you, you know, especially after this last year with the kind of the George Floyd and the, the social unrest that came with that. And there was a lot of, a lot of companies saying things like we stand with, and you know, we're going to do this and that. Are you seeing really more opportunity given to uh, women of color and particularly in the tech space uh, where they've been fabulously underrepresented for decades and it wasn't about the having the expertise, it was having the opportunity. Are you seeing more of that now? And do you, you think that this is more of a movement as opposed to a moment where everybody says and does the right thing for a little while, but then, you know, a year or two later, we're kind of right back to where we were before. Do, do we, are you sensing this is more of a real movement, a real change, a real opportunity to get more women of color, not only in tech positions, but also in positions of authority, of decision-making at the sea level? I do think it's it's more than just a moment. Um, and at least that's my hope. And one of the reasons I, I believe it's more than just a moment is because with this next generation of women, we now have a voice. There's a bigger platform. There is more attention. And I believe that our allies had a real wake-up call last year in a lot of ways. And sometimes folks say, well, it's been going on for years. How's it that this has now woken people up? And I think because we've seen fits and starts with programs, we have seen companies focus on it and not focus on it. I believe there are definitely changes that still need to be made at a systematic level in terms of just not only hiring a more inclusive and diverse workforce, how do you retain them? How do you give them the opportunity to lean in, share their voice, demonstrate their value because they're all there because they do. And there are so many more women and men and men of color, quite honestly, that have that same skill, that same ability. And it's about representation. It is about access. And our experiences are still different at these companies. And that's not to say that folks at, at these at the executive level aren't trying to make a difference. They are. And I think the popularity of Unapolitech is a really good sign. Like they want to have some really practical examples. They want to understand and have more insight into the experience. Because if you don't have insight into someone's story and their experience, I think it is hard to be as empathetic and make the changes that you want to make because you, you make assumptions. We all do this. You know, we all have bias. Everybody does. Um, and the most important thing about it is recognizing it and then always keeping up questioning yourself question your motives. If I have a bad reaction or something doesn't land right, I don't just assume that the person was had ill intent. I kind of take myself on a little bit and go, okay, why did I have that reaction? Um, because I do see it as a two, you know, there's two sides to that coin. And I think executives, I think companies, their employees are forcing them and driving a lot of the change, which is another reason I'm hopeful that this is more than just a moment. Is that now that we're started having these conversations and folks are telling their stories and sharing them, that allies are coming out and being more vocal, I don't. Th I think it's gonna be really hard to go back. We also have more choice now and more representation than we did even when I came out of college and started my career in, in, in business and in tech. And it is more than just tech. If you look 
I just mentioned this the other day. If you look across industries, just look at the Fortune 500 boardrooms and look at the lack of diversity. Look at the executive suite of those very same companies and the lack of diversity. So we know it's still a problem. Um, the numbers around women in the workforce are woefully, woefully, woefully low. And then when you look at women of color and black women and Latino, it just gets worse every time you double click on it. Um, I remain hopeful. I remain hopeful because I have people like Kalina in my life and who's doing passionate work and the word around Apollo Top and the, the support for that, that medium and for that program is just getting bigger, right? We have people who are looking at it going, hey, I can actually learn from this and take this back to my company. And every single time that happens, that says to me that change is coming and it doesn't need to happen at the Googles, the Salesforces, the HPs of the world. It needs to happen at all these medium and small, medium-sized businesses as well across every segment um, in every industry. All that work still needs to be done. And I think I truly believe and support grassroots efforts because I believe we can make change one conversation at a time, one person at a time. And if we can keep our eye on that, eventually you will look back to your point, Brent, and then we'll look back and say, oh my goodness, you can start to see the numbers changing. So you know, hopefully I'm, I'm proven right that this is a movement and not a moment, but I do believe all the things are there for it to really be a movement and for us to see some continual and actually big change um, as people step up and continue the conversation. Wow, that was, that was a great answer. Um, so let me end with this. Uh, it's great to see both of you in the positions that you're in. You're on the front lines of customer engagement and, and, and leading the effort, which I've been around in tech for uh, like three decades. And believe me, that was definitely not the case back in the day. So it's really good to see this. How, what, what kind of uh, pieces of advice, words of wisdom would you give uh, younger folks that are, you know, would love to have a career in tech? And actually, this kind of uh, position that you guys are in, it's it's a really great position and it's a one that you can see you're making a difference because you are literally interfacing directly with the customers and getting to understand and know what they need and then relaying that back to the business and hopefully that means better products and services and things like that what kind of uh, pieces of advice would you give somebody about a career like the ones that you guys have carved out for yourself uh kalina why don't you go first okay um what I've been reflecting on recently, actually, is um, it's important to have a tribe. Um, and what I mean by that is individuals that are going to give you critical feedback, but are also going to support you in times of uncertainty. Um, when you think about the technology industry, it is still quite new. Um, and yes, it is innovative, but you do have to have um, thick skin, I would say, because there's no real playbook sometimes within your role. Um, with the, even if you look at customer advocacy at Asana, this is the first ever customer advocacy role that they have designed. Um, and if you look at the industry in general, customer marketing, customer advocacy, customer programs, it's still fairly new. It's not your typical account executive role that's been around for decades. Um, and so individuals that are looking to get into the tech industry, try to seek out allies that are willing to guide you, both younger and older. You know, everyone has a different perspective that can help um, guide you. And I think that that is, is really helpful. And it actually helps you um, persevere um, through uncertainty. 
but also find some fun. You know, you got to find some fun in your role. Um, I have unapologetic because at times it's not always rainbows and butterflies, but it puts things into perspective for me. Um, and when I'm able to keep my passion projects and also do, I look at my, my role as sort of like research in the field. And then I can bring that into the passion project. So I, I tend to end up loving tech all the time, even when there's some frustration because you're driving change. So make sure, I know people are always looking at, I wanna make a certain amount of money. I wanna do X, Y, and Z. Make sure you actually keep contact of your mental health and make sure you understand 10 years are gonna go by, 15 years are gonna go by, find a little bit of joy and what you are you know, challenging yourself to do. It's going to be tech. Just make sure it stands with your morals um, and make sure that you can find a tribe that also have some of the same morals as you so you can stay on track. Advice. Oh, these are always hard questions for me, mostly because there's no silver bullet. There's no way to give you one piece of advice that's going to like work kind of to clean through every situation. Um, but there are some fundamental tenets. One is values. I tell folks, especially young people, figure out what, what your values are. Where's your line? What are you willing to stand up for? And anchor on that first. Then look for companies and roles and jobs and people that align to that. They don't have to have the same perspective and opinion or experience. But if authenticity and trust is important to you, then you want the people in your team and your posse and your tribe to have that be their core tenants as well. Cause you're going to need it. You know, it's like working as long as I have Brent, I mean, all of us have been in, been working for a while and you just, you need a supportive team, but you need the right team because everyone is not going to have your best interest at heart. And you want to have those people that do, you want to hold them close. And, you know, Kalina hit on a really good point, which is, People, especially young people can get really tied up and focused on title, pay, brand. All of those things are, you know, they're frivolous from my perspective because in a moment they can be gone. Top brand today, low brand tomorrow, right? Like we've seen brands do that up and down the scale. You can have, you know, a big senior title and hate your job. It's really hard to get up in the morning every day and do good work. When you don't like the job, it's even harder when you don't like the people. So if you anchor on values, anchor on the people that you know will feed you and give you that passion and enable you to have fun while you're trying to get to your end goal or get to the next goal and, and this journey that we're all on. Those are the, the things that to me that are important in the world of allyship and customer advocacy and customer programs. Look above you, below you, next to you, older, younger anyone who's doing that work. And I would say this field is fairly specialized. There are not a lot of people that I talk to today that say, yeah, I've been doing reference work, customer programs work for years. A lot of folks come, you know, from different parts of the organization doing different functions. But my question is, how much time have you spent talking or interacting with customers directly in a non-sales and a non-marketing role? Because this role, while you know, customer marketing is actually, I don't like that term because it's not customer marketing. What we are doing is customer engagement and customer relationship and customer advocacy. And an advocate is someone who will speak about you on your behalf without being asked. To get to a, get your customers to that level, it takes years. It takes 
dedication, investment, and focus, and you need a group of people that are passionate about it. And I've been really fortunate in my career to work with some of the best. And I would say anchor on that because this is a great profession. Like I love the work I do and probably because I really get to talk to people. Um, I don't see a customer as a brand. I don't see it as an organization. I see it as a combination of all the individuals that I get to work with and talk to within that organization and within that, within that, um, within that business. Bring someone along, support each other. Um, Really, really important. And I've been, again, really fortunate to have just a variety of people from all over the world in different roles, different businesses um, to really support me and that I've engaged with and that I've learned a lot from. And so if you can keep an open mind, but then again, always go back to what your values are, who that team of people are that are going to be able to be your ally, give you critical and praise, critical feedback and praise, because we all need to be told when we're doing a good job, because there's always situations where you're going to question that, you know, did I make the right decision? Was this the right thing to do? Something's not going to go right. And you're going to start to beat yourself up about it. And that's when that team becomes really important because they're going to say, no, you had no control over how the outcome was. You did all the right things. And if you didn't do all the right things, you're going to learn from that. And so it's really important to keep those people closed. But I would just, you know, kind of to close out values, have a really supportive team, be confident and don't be afraid to dream. Like just do it without boundaries. You know, just don't let any of the things you see be limitations. Let that be just be an opportunity to learn and then figure out a way um, to make your way. Well, you said you've been fortunate to work with a lot of great people. I feel like I've been fortunate to have Cynthia Hester and Kalina Bryan on with me today. Uh, Kalina, where can they go to learn more about Apologetech? On Apologetech. Yeah, I put it in this private chat. I don't think I have access, but anyway, it's spelled. Uh-huh. Yeah, U-N-A-P-O-L-O-G-E-T-E-C-H.com. Um, you can see all of the blogs, all of the episodes. And if you have a juicy story, you can also, um, you know, submit your story and potentially I might contact you to be featured. Nice. Well, I just want to say thank you to both of you for taking time out because you guys are extremely busy and sharing your story and sharing your experiences and wisdom around customer advocacy and around your personal journeys to to doing what you do. It's been great. Thank you so much. And thanks everybody for checking this one out. I'll be back tomorrow with my buddy, Paul Greenberg, CRM players. Uh, You know, you can't get rid of me, but uh, I will (laughs) see you later. And uh, once again, thanks to you two for making this one happen. See ya. Thank you. It was my pleasure.